Welcome to the Spectral Phenomena Podcast, your source for all things offbeat, strange, unexplained, and paranormal. Here are your hosts, Ken Sanner and Mustafa Siddiq. Alright everybody, welcome back to Spectral Phenomena. My name is Ken and this is my good friend and co-host moose who forgets to hit record he does sometimes forget to hit record but you know what what's 20 minutes between friends it's not a big deal so anyway we've been talking about the biology and evolution of grays assuming of course that they are biological entities um which there is a a debate about but we'll, we'll get into that another day um but yeah, so we've been talking about a lot of the ideas about what their physical features could mean in terms of biology. We started this off with the head. We're really approaching this uh, like the consummate medical professionals we are with a head-to-toe assessment and looking at all of the different aspects and thinking about how they could relate to these things being actual physical beings. So we'll pick it up right from there. And we're going to start off with, with the nose. So normally when you think about the nose on a gray, you think aliens are often shown as only having a slit for a nose or two slits for a nose or no nose at all, uh, which kind of brings up the question, what is the biological purpose of our nose? What's the biological purpose of smell? And one of the biggest things that we can think of is danger. You know, our nose can tell us if there's a fire or bad food or animals around, anything like that. You know, another use of our nose might be to sense endorphins. You know, if somebody, uh, you know, is is a potential mate, uh, that, that would be very important. Or even pleasure, just, you know, smelling flowers, good food, stuff like that. That's all very important. When we think of something that has no nose, um, have to wonder, you know, do they not have a need to sense that danger? You know, if there's no fire or is there no oxygen in this environment they're growing up or no bad food, you know, maybe things don't decompose. Um, you know, it's a, a very strange question. Likewise with the endorphins, maybe these beings uh, don't have biological sexes or maybe they don't have sex. You know, it's, it's, it's completely possible although that may seem completely foreign to us, maybe even alien. Uh, we are talking about little gray people from outer space. So it's a, it's a wide range of questions. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Moose, if you have anything to add to any of that. Yeah. So uh, why do we have, why do we have smell, right? So we've kind of been discussing special senses um, and we're, you know, so uh, olfaction, right? so smell kind of goes together with taste. And um, I want to bring you back to um, that kind of, um, the three-step process I said. So you have a sensor that kind of, you know, um, uh, for lack of a better term, senses the outside environment around it. Uh, you have an integrator that kind of processes the information that the sensor felt. And then you have an effector that, uh, you know, creates, you know, a change within the body or outside the body or no, within the body uh, to create a change outside of the body uh, in response to that sense. Um, and it creates either a negative or a positive feedback loop. Um, so why... What can cause um, the phenomena of um, evolving to lose a sense of smell and taste and be uh, more fit? Because uh, if you guys, if you ever, everyone recalls, we were talking about the concept of um, fitness in a in a environment um, pushing uh, natural selection. Um, so. There's this concept that um, as, you know, the uh, as, as vision goes up, um, tactile senses and smell goes down right through the genetic code. And I, I can't believe if, I, I, I don't know if I said it already or not, but I've been using it was uh, Martini and uh, uh, Nath, 8th edition anatomy physiology um, as my primary resource, uh, some other stuff from other random notebooks and such. Um, but so you have that idea, right? So as... Um, uh, um, the ability to see goes up, the ability to sense, uh, smell goes down. Um, so how could that be beneficial for an organism like the gray? Well, maybe in their environment, uh, they may not need to kind of like we said earlier, chew or, or smell, uh, right. Um, so that 
just might be the environment that they've evolved in um, that they may not have to, uh, you know, smell food or smell danger. Uh, they might have other senses that pick that up. You made a very interesting comment that I had not thought about before, and that's regarding um, chemical messengers like pheromones, and they're not needing um, the ability to smell that. So all very interesting uh, um, possibilities. Yeah, and, and, you know, it could even be as simple as they used to have these things. And over, you know, thousands of years or millennia or whatever, um, they've moved past the need for those. You know, who's to say that humans in 50,000 years, assuming we don't blow ourselves up by then, um, you know, will still need all the senses we have now. We may not. Yeah. You know, we may create a world for ourselves that is, you know, free from the dependency on our five base senses that we always talk about so. yeah and i mean i, I yeah. just want to say real quick the uh you make a great point you know what what, what do we look like in fifty thousand years um we uh and i don't know if there was a previous episode well we only did the one episode um but the things we sense are only the things that our brain says we sense right so it's it, our perception yeah. starts at the integrator level uh, we have senses that send information but until there's integration, right? Um, we 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 don't know what we're you know we don't know what's going on. Um, sure, there's spinal reflexes that you know send out um, you know uh, responses, but uh, I think uh, from my understanding, the conscious conscious perception does not occur until the, a signal is integrated. Um, so, uh, what does that mean? Uh, they might have um, uh, uh, evolved to be able to cut that cord with that sensor, right? And be able to use another technique, um, whether it be through biological means or through some sort of technological means that has allowed them to cut that cord um, to, and, uh, you know, still be, uh, still have evolved to be fit within their environment. And, you know, there is a theory that grazer actually just thought from like tens of thousands of years in the future. You know, I was actually, I have heard that. That's something we... We, we we can we can get into depth on that another day, but absolutely uh, today we're going to talk about the the ears of the gray, which typically when we think of gray, uh, you know Moose had mentioned to me earlier that there are some reports of grays having just holes as ears, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there: why would a species evolve without ears? Uh, again. I don't know how not having ears would benefit any species. We don't really have any, you know, a lot of species on earth, at least major, you know, complex organisms that don't have ears because ears allude us to danger. Ears tell us a lot about the environment we're in, but maybe grays either didn't have that evolutionary issue that we had where we had to be aware of danger um, or, uh, you know, they're psychic. Again, that, that could be something where they, they communicate with telepathy. Or, again, maybe they used to have ears and that has just evolved away as they don't need them anymore because of the telepathy and the fact they don't have other dangers and stuff like that around. Yeah, so you bring up an interesting point. So first I want to say um, the, you know, the apparent lack of ears, uh, we are deducing off of a lack of external ear anatomy, right? Um, and I want to make that distinction because, <coughs> excuse me, a dolphin doesn't have, uh, you know, pinna, right? So like the, the I'm not going to take my headphone off, but like, you know, um, you know, the top of the, or like, um, oh man, I'm having the outer ear. Yeah. I'm having a brain fart, uh, but they are still able to hear, right? They actually communicate through, um, oh man, sonar. I'm have I I bet if anyone watches this from our paramedic podcast they'd be very disappointed in my apparent lack of anatomy, anatomy <laughs> physiology knowledge, uh, but the, you know they're still able to hear. So, um, you know, so we uh, we are assuming that the lack of ear external ear structures means uh, lack of uh, inner ear um, yeah uh, organs and the inner you know neural tissue that uh, captures sound. Uh, I again a uh, couple comments on that. So first, um, they very well may have evolved that way that they don't need sound. They also very well may because of their big noggins that I think is apparent through all uh, visions of grays. 
um, or views of grace. Uh, they might just have more internal structures. Maybe it could be a protective mechanism. Um, it could also be that another sense, right? We And I think we've been walking around this, and I've been walking around it particularly. You have not. You've mentioned it regarding like, you know, the psychic ability. Um, maybe that's a sense that they've, uh, through evolution, has increased, you know, the, their fitness by um, kind of honing that uh, skill. And the need for other uh, senses has gone down. So that's why they have a small, you know, um, uh, smaller ears, smaller nose, smaller mouth. Um, the, uh, so how do ears work, right? So ears kind of kind of capture sound, right? There's vibrations uh, through sound waves uh, that your ear captures as information. Uh, ears also have a, a important role in balance, Right, uh, we think that as bipedal organisms that you know, you know, so two arms, two legs, a head, they, you know, a central axis uh, that's vertical. We can assume that there's some sort of gravitational force where they have evolved, um, and then also um, th- in, within that gravitational force, uh, there's some sort of um, you know proprioception, so like ability to you know sense their surroundings, um, and in that you know you would think that there is, uh, you know, some sort of sound wave. Now, sound also, uh, it's important to understand that there has to be some sort of medium to sound to travel through, right? And if there's no air, you're not going to hear anything. So in the presence of vacuum, is there sound? I don't think so. Um, So just all interesting concepts um, to think about. And uh, it kind of leads to, you know, as all of our discussions have, kind of leads to the discussion of what environment would create any of those possibilities that um we just mentioned something totally alien well uh, yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, maybe they evolved in outer space yeah i don't know um okay so moving on from the head onto the body the trunk um when you think about a, a gray you think about them being very thin very short what could cause that type of evolution? Uh, one idea might be they grew up in a high gravity environment. Now, if that's the case, wouldn't they be more agile in our environment? You would think on Earth they'd be running around like crazy. Um, but the reality is, when we think about grays, we don't think about them moving around like zombies from 28 days later. Uh, they're, they're usually very sm- slow and deliberate. You know, they just kind of move at a fixed pace and even though they're not moving fast you can't get away uh kind of thing um and also something else i would add to that you know when you look at the reports from experiencers a lot of them don't report feeling like their ships have high gravity um though to be fair in most cases those people are kind of strapped down on tables so that may not be totally uh reliable i guess uh the other thing that it could be maybe they just have a really fast metabolism what do you think moose sensing gravity may uh kind of assumes that they use traditional um uh oh man not like rocket engines but like traditional propulsion that's the word um which by and large from our you know perception and understanding of uh uh, unidentified flying objects, uh, they do not use um, uh, engines that have traditional, um, uh, that follow traditional physics as we understand. Um, so the gravity thing may not be a thing. The the can't get away uh, thing I really like because uh, yeah, the, from the way people describe them, they're almost like uh, like uh, excavation tools, right? Like a like a like a bulldozer or something. Like very deliberate actions that are. Um, almost non-human, which leads me to believe that there it's actually an exoskeleton or something. Um, but yeah, so, um, what creates the thin frail, uh, looking frail looking by, so, you know, potentially high gravity, uh, the gray skin, what does that mean? Right. Uh, so, uh, that kind of yeah. couples with the low light situation, I think, right. Because there's the, there isn't the need to protect the skin from, um, uh, you know, harmful rays of uh, uh, light or, you know, yep. Um, and then also uh, we kind of go back to the surface to volume ratio, right? So um, 
what surface to volume ratio is most uh, conducive for them to be fit within their environment. Um, it, it, with a lot of gravity, it might take more energy to have a larger, uh, to keep up with homeostasis on a larger organism. That's why the smaller organism might be more beneficial. That may be the reason that they've evolved to be able to use more psychic um, uh, abilities because they are, um, it, they, they are, uh, it's, it behooves their evolution, evolutionary, evolutionary fitness to be able to use a sense that does not use traditional uh, metabolism as we, as, as we know it. And of course, energy is required to move arms and legs and so on and so forth. I like it. The next thing, uh, Moose, I, I have no comments for. So if you have anything, it's all you. The long arms, legs and fingers. I really don't have anything that didn't fall under thin bodies and short stature. Uh, do you have anything to add there? You look like you do. I do. So, um, I, I, and it's not necessarily short bodies, but the the um, the the longer you know fingers and arms and um, our listeners, I want you to look up Marfan syndrome. Right. Um, so, uh, it's a connective tissue disorder, um, and uh, the only thing that's really different is that the uh, humans that have Marfan syndrome are taller. Now you could say that in a high gravity situation, someone, an individual with Marfan syndrome may be longer and may grow out a little more laterally, which I think is what, you know, a gray is, uh, described as. So, um, that, that could be a, you know, a, a reason. And again, they may be more evolutionarily fit with those longer, um, uh, arms and legs. The um, have you seen the padded fingers, Ken? I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, which may which may allude to uh, you know a semi-aquatic um, uh, existence, uh, which we say that is interesting. Yeah, and we say that lightly, but that is huge because that assumes that there's water involved, um, which we. Um, right now, you know, it, it's true until proven otherwise that it's needed to maintain life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that's the explanations that I have for that. I like it. So this next topic, uh, I have a lot of thoughts on, so I'm just going to kind of run through them and then I'll let you respond. Um, if that's cool with you. Works for me. So, and, and that's a lack of, yeah, it's a lack of sex organs. So when we think of grays, usually they're reported nude. However, sometimes people say they have very tight fitting clothing on. Um, and now this is, again, assuming that they're just the whole gray thing is in a suit of some sort, which, you know, you mentioned in the last episode. Um, but we're going to assume that they are nude in at least some encounters and that they don't have sex organs. And that begs the question of how can they reproduce? Yeah, so... Uh, One I'm, idea... Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. Do you want to respond to that? No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I'm just going to run through a couple ideas here, and uh, Moose will uh, jump in at the end and, and give his thoughts. So one idea would be spores, like a fungus. Uh, you know, could that be somehow, it, obviously it's hard for us to imagine a, a complex organism reproducing in that way, or even a fungus being a complex organism. Uh, but it's an idea. Mitosis versus meiosis. And I know this is something moose could get into all day long. Um, we talked about the idea of them being single celled organisms in episode one, uh, Seems unlikely, but possible. One that I really like is the idea of cloning. Grays seem identical to most, although not all, experiencers. Um, there are sometimes differences reported in height. Once in a while, you'll hear something about hair, which is very rare. And we'll talk about the hair thing in a little bit. Um, but cloning is definitely a possibility. Or it could be something uh, completely beyond our understanding in terms of how they reproduce, you know, laying eggs and fertilizing them, 
um, just touching a finger to somebody else to mix with somebody else with DNA or something like that, uh, you know, something totally outside of our understanding. Or again, we go back to the idea of, uh, you know, maybe they're androids or spiritual beings or, you know, we'll talk about all that later, but um, those are all possibilities. So what do you think, Moose? Yeah, so, um, you know, the the concept of um, ha- having the perception that these greys have specialized organs leads me to believe that they are multicellular, right? Um, then, uh, the... I, the... How should I wear this? So, I think... This is one of the hardest concept, concepts for me. I, I, I would lean towards there could potentially there could it could be a suit, it could be um, uh, there could be fully internal sexual organs for both males and females, right? Um, and then um, lastly, there could be some sort of external fertilization occurring. Um, that, you know, again, with internal organs that we just don't see occurring. Um, uh, there could also be, uh, you know, the, what you said about cloning and, you know, a completely laboratory-based existence, which is not outside the realm of possibility, right? We just don't have the tech for that yet, so we don't really think that could happen. But, you know, that's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Um, the, I do want to lean on the fact that I do think that there are multicellular organisms for, you know, um, especially for the surface to volume ratio as well. Um, that could mean that there, you know, it's, uh, um, <laughs> internal fertilization, but external development, right? So what are some examples of that? So, you know, eggs, right? There could be some, uh, um, you know, egg development outside the body. Um, uh, we know marsupials, right. They give birth, but then they, the, the babies still develop, um, kind of outside the mom. Um, so uh, lots, of, lots of, um, uh, possibilities, um, which really, I mean, I, I do want to say one thing though, when everything that we've talked about, uh, I, I hate to say it, but we, I feel like we're, um, we're hindered by our own biases of, human and uh you know evolution and biology as we know it on earth i would love to be able to break those chains and just think of something completely off the wall that could be possible no you're completely right you're completely right we are hindered by those biases and that goes back to what you said in the introduction episode where it's we don't understand what we don't understand And without a frame of reference, it's hard for us to come up with something that explains how strange the situation really is, that these things evidently are real to some extent. Well, we'll talk about how real you and I think they are later, but, you know, assuming they are real, how do we come to terms with what they are when we have no frame of reference? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know. It's yeah. really that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, very crazy. I, I, before we, before we get to that though, I do want to, uh, touch a little bit. I, I don't know what other, uh, topics you had. I, at some point I do want to talk about metabolism. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. And then I've got, uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of coming down to the end. I've got three more, more abstract uh, topics I want to talk about, but let's talk about metabolism. Yeah, so we we uh, in biology understand uh, think that um, so this there's this concept of entropy, right? So um, as something gets more ordered, there is a higher uh, desire for it to become un disordered. Um, I don't mean to personify it because there is no personification. That you know, it's just the that that's thermodynamics. Uh, we're part of thermodynamics. Um, in our bodies, there's the uh, um, concepts of anabolism and catabolism, right? So you break down thing, um, uh, complex chemicals, that's called catabolism, and then anabolism, you build them up in different ways. Um, we, uh, we use glucose as an energy source. We combine it with water, right? Um, and then there's you know, multiple steps in cellular respiration, and there's different uh, cycles that eventually build up um, something called ATP, adenosine triphosphate, uh, which we use that as energy en- of life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that we use as energy. So that's how we think 
uh, things work, uh, you know, uh, uh, carbon, most carbon based anatomy works. Uh, there's chemotrophs, like, you know, single cellular organisms or small organisms that use other, um, uh, sources, uh, for energy production. But by and large, that's what we understand multicellular organisms to be, um, using as their energy source. Um, so the, um, we, 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 I would think that, you know, from our understanding, Graves would follow the, uh, you know, the same trajectory. But again, we, that kind of touches on, uh, what Ken mentioned, what we talked about earlier regarding, we don't know what we don't know. And there could be some totally other different mechanism by which, uh, they use energy and metabolism is really important because, um, any organism, uh, has to, in some way, shape or form, um, well, it doesn't have to, um, but, uh, has to be able to maintain function or, um, be able to survive changes in external environment. So humans, right? So we're, you know, warm blooded, we're able to, um, we're able to, uh, regulate our bodies change in uh, change with, with, uh, in regards to changes to the outside environment, uh, reptiles, uh, um, you know, so, uh, you know, snakes, for example, they're cold blooded. So they slow down their metabolism as, uh, you know, they're not able to regulate their internal temperature. Um, why are we talking about this in regards regards to graze? Well, I'll tell you why. So well, again, I keep coming back to the surface to volume ratio. They're thin, right? They're very thin. They, they don't appear that they'd be able to thermoregulate well. Um, so it, bodes, it begs the question, how do they maintain homeostasis in regards to their anatomy and physiology? What is What was the most fit option in their uh, um, uh, evolution and wherever they, um, you know, evolved, for lack of a better term. Um, all interesting concepts because uh, we think that the way to, you know, life develops is carbon. Uh, when we look at other planet planets, we look at planets like ours because we know for a fact that life can exist here. Uh, but what if we're only seeing part of the picture? Very good. All right, so I've got three last things to hit on. And then we'll move into the conclusions. Um, the first one, actually, you know what? Let me kind of reorder this. I've got one more that's biological and then two that are kind of abstract, okay? Uh, the biological one is that these things don't seem to have hair. So what can we conclude about that? Could they be from a warm environment where they don't really need hair? Maybe it's very hot where they are. Now, that seems to be in kind of contradiction with, with the idea of them not having a lot of light, maybe not having a star that's close. Um, the other option would be, are they cold-blooded? You know, if you think about warm-blooded animals here on Earth, we have hair or feathers or uh, pretty much hair or feathers. Um, <laughs> uh, but cold-blooded animals, they don't. You know, you think about like a lizard or a snake or, you know, any of those reptiles, they have scales, but amphibians, not so much. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Very interesting. So uh, hair evolved from fur, right? And fur and you said, uh, you know, feathers, um, some sort of way to regulate internal temperature. Uh, again, it kind of comes back to metabolism. Um, I, I pose a question if, uh, if they're not from an aqu aquatic territory... Are they from a uh, terrestrial territory that, uh, you know, their existence is primarily underground and low light situations? Um, do that, that may push to, you know, I, I just think of like a naked mole rat, right? Um, and uh, their physiology, although they're blind, right? I think um, the... Right. Uh, I mean, all, all, all interesting, all interesting stuff. Um, I, I don't have too much more on that, um, except the fact that if they That's don't have hair, they don't have to worry about hair loss. Well, unfortunately, I do have to worry about <laughs> hair loss. And uh, my hair loss has gotten so bad that I now shave my head. So just something extra for the uh, listeners to know. It's unfortunate, but that's where I am now. <laughs> All right. So now a little bit more in the abstract realm. These grays really seem to show a lack of emotion or compassion. And that's very interesting. Um, 
Because when you think about a reason for that, you know, like what is the biological reason for emotion and compassion? Is that necessary? Um, probably not, but what drives their society then, if not, you know, care for their fellow gray, you know, is it just the betterment of everybody to be more powerful or I don't know. And, and what are the sociological implications on our, on their society or our society for that matter? You know, why don't they just annihilate us? You know, they could just take us out and take our resources if they wanted to probably the leading theory for why they don't has to do with hybrids and cloning, which could be an entire another topic for an entire another day. Um, but even if that were the reason, why don't they just treat us like cattle and just farm us? You know, um, it, it's, it's a very interesting topic, I think. Yeah. So first thing, how do you know they're not? Maybe they are. Right. That's a um, very good question. Um, you so know, you think about, yeah. You know, you think about some of these things where UFOs shut down nuclear missiles and stuff like that. You know, maybe they're saving us so they can use us. You know, I mean, maybe they have maybe they have kind of an altruistic uh, way of implementing their agenda where we think we're still free and, you know, independent people. Meanwhile, they're coming down here. You know, a lot of these. A lot of these uh, stories from experiencers and abductees is that, you know, they're being used for sexual reasons. You know, that's a very common theme in the literature. So going back to that reason, um, how do we, you know, how do we know that we're not just being used as vessels for re reproduction? Number one, uh, which we I don't. which I think it was kind of uh, you were alluded, alluding to, um, and then also. Um, so where, where does emotion come from as we understand it, right? So it's more of a primal sense. And then you have your frontal, you know, you, the front side part of your brain that is more of like, you know, logic and reasoning, so on and so forth. Um, uh, that comes later in evolution, right? So how do we, uh, you know, the, how do we know that, um, how do we not, how do we know that the lack of emotion isn't, just the next evolutionary step um you know uh the primal evolution uh you know there's a benefit in fitness of having emotion you know just because of you know at the level of development of, of brain evolution that's the best way to survive right um you know tribalism protected you know protectivism so on and so forth but as you involve more of that frontal cortex how do you know you know how at what point does that emotion become a hindrance right and i and i know i, I sound like subhuman here i'm not i'm just you know playing the devil's advocate here um right and you asked an interesting question what sociological parameters or sorry what sociological uh ramifications does that have um what how i just oh, i think emotion makes us human but at what point if, if you were to look at the last year and i and i don't want to get into any controversial topics but if you were to look at the last year how many situations would have been better if there was less emotion involved all of them every year, every time. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, it kind of, um, I mean, nobody wants to live in like a concrete uh, mechanic world without emotion. I'm not, uh, for the record, no one's advocating for that, but we're just for to, for the purposes of discussing gray behavior that might, and we're assuming that they're, um, uh, you know, per, more progressive evolution than we are, or differently than we are. Uh, that might just be the logical one of the logical next steps, or a step in a in a in a, in a vacuum. So the last thing I want to talk about before we hit our conclusions is what we don't know, and some of this kind of speaks to something I've I've kind of read and heard in other places where some details of experiencer encounters seem to be kind of kept hush-hush so that they can validate other encounters uh, when people come forward with them. Uh, and, and two of the things that I know of, and there's probably more, um, but, you know, I'm not privy to all the details that everyone has. Two of the things I've heard are, are feet and smells. Feet on... If you think about it, anytime you've ever heard of a gray encounter, you've never really heard about their feet. What do they look like? 
there's nothing in the literature that I've ever been able to, you know, I've been, I've been looking into the stuff since elementary school. So, you know, over 30 years, I've never found anything about the feet of a gray. Uh, another thing is the smell. Occasionally you'll hear something. One of the things that I have heard is a sulfur smell. Um, that could even kind of get into the idea that these are demonic entities, which is an entirely another topic that we could talk about on another day. Um, but yeah, that's not something you hear a lot about either. So anything uh, you want to add? Yeah, to that, the, uh, the, 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 what you said about sulfur uh, could be a byproduct of bi uh, biology, right? So we know that we sweat. We know that depending on, uh, so a, uh, a physiological um, state that we, you know, ketoacidosis we know uh, is a uh, both a pathology, right, or uh, uh, the way a disease progresses, but also something that people put themselves in on purpose by, you know, having a diet that I tried for about 48 hours that didn't work because uh, I hated it. But um, there's a particular uh, smell of ketones, right? So we know that our um, biological bodies, as we understand them, can create um, smells uh, that are byproduct of the of the, of the metabolic processes in the body. So how do we know that sulfur isn't just one of those processes uh, or that smell of sulfur? Also, um, um, uh, I just wanted to say one thing regarding, uh, you said uh, lack of feet. I don't know why. I keep thinking of some story where people heard like pitter-patter. I don't know what that, you know, I don't know that keep that, you know, take that as, a, as it is. Um, but also I've all heard that there's never any skin imperfections. You ever heard of that? No, I've never heard that. But that's very interesting because I've never heard that there were. But that goes back to the idea that a lot of these these guys, these they seem to be identical. Yeah. You know, there there seems to be no defining characteristics between one and another. Yeah. Yeah. I do have one more thing um, I, I want to say, and that is uh, that is this. So, um, and I don't know if you were uh, going to touch on this before we go into our conclusion but that is um all of this is assuming that these are physical biological beings and not yes. a psychic phenomena right um and and, and we uh kind of going back to the sensor integrator effector um uh discussion we were having so how do we know that they're not just psychic projections into uh the integrator right bypassing the sensor and being psychic projections into our integrator so I, I do have some alternative theories on grays I want to touch on at the end, um, but we can talk about this now. And I think that's a very, very valid point because there is definitely a theory within the paranormal community that a lot of this stuff, including grays, are actually projections or perceptions that we perceive within our mind and it's what we can perceive and understand at that time mm -hmm. you look at you look at a lot of the things that have happened and a lot of people will this is especially true in ghost phenomena people will say they they see or hear a certain thing and then it other people there don't experience it or they do but it doesn't show up on video or audio, or maybe it shows up on audio, but not video or, you know, it's, it's like, it's geared into, um, what that particular person can understand at the time. And you can get a lot deeper into this, you know, you get into the airship sightings in the 1890s where people saw strange airships with gears flying around in the sky. Um, and then that kind of changed into the flying saucer phenomenon in the 1940s. Um, you know, Charles Fort did a, a, a deep dig into that stuff. Um, and then there's also other stuff out there too. Like, uh, you know, you look at the, the, the alien abduction phenomenon and you go back into the, you know, 17, 16, 1500s. And there are really, really eerily similar parallels between what we now know as alien abduction and what people then understood as fairy abduction. So I, I think there are very, very important conversations to be had in those realms because 
I think it speaks to a greater theory on what's going on with all of this than a lot of people really realize and understand about what's going on. Yeah, no, that's, um, that, uh, I could not have said that better at all. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Oh, well, uh, let me just, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I just want to ask you, uh, three questions. I'm going to answer them myself and you can uh, respond to them. And then I just wanted to talk about, uh, just mention some other theories on grays. We're not going to go deep into them, although we just kind of did a little bit. Um, so the first question is, are grays so much more highly evolved than us as to defy our understanding? And I think the answer is if they are biological beings, then the answer is yes. There is an evolutionary process in place that we don't understand and that we can't comprehend until we learn where they're from, what their planet's like, and what evolution looked like on their plane. What do you think? So, uh, I this is not my own idea. Um, I heard this from uh, it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, and then I kind of thought about it, and I really, um, really, really, um, really stuck with me. And that is to think that they are advanced, more advanced than us and more, uh, you know, higher up in the, you know, on a higher rung of evolution of the evolutionary ladder is intrinsically an entitled position to have. And that is because how do we know that they just didn't start at a different pace, right? Um, by saying that they're farther than, than us, we use human beings or life on earth as the frame, and how do we uh, how how do we know we don't that we are the gauge to measure by right um, uh, as Neil deGrasse Tyson said it how do we know that you know for them just where they started um, their babies can do calculus and that's just normal for them right because that's their base function and extrapolate that to any other physiological parameter any other any other thing that you can do or think or whatever um so uh and again i think that's uh one of the those concepts where you know we're uh kind of biased but um you know maybe we're not the framework maybe we're just one thing in the entire expanse of the universe you know what i really like that what if the whole thing with grays is they just want to experience love or hate or happiness, or sadness, or politics, have, or politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next podcast. That'll be number three. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, my next question is: What can we conclude about the planet they involved on? For me, I can really only come up with two things, assuming they evolved on a planet that I feel comfortable saying is that they had a higher gravity and a lower light. Maybe they had fewer predators. Um, I don't have a lot beyond that. Do you have anything? Nope, I agree. Okay. Uh, my next question, my final question before uh, I just lead off with uh, our theories and my last question for you. Why haven't they changed based on the planets they've colonized? And my thought would be either they haven't been there long enough to change or they can alter planets to meet their specifications. Any thoughts? Yeah, so um, neither of those ideas I had thought about. What I was thinking was this. Um, in They may just uh, be, we might be the first planet um, yeah. that they found. Or okay. they may be the universal construct by multiple alien races to visit us. Because that could be. by this whatever goes into means. A, a theory I have. Yeah. Um, or uh, they're not beings at all. They're just the equivalent of drones that multiple things, you know, multiple different uh, species send over to do their thing. And that gets into my theories on greys that are that I wanted to bring up. 
So number one, of course, there are biological entities, which we have talked to death over two episodes in an hour and a half, and that's totally possible. Number two, they could be spiritual entities. There are a lot of people who feel that the gray phenomenon match a lot of the ideas of, you know, demons and things like that. So that's possible. Another option would be the Fey idea. We talked a couple minutes ago about the idea of, uh, you know, the fairy abduction phenomena in the, uh, you know, prior to the turn of the last century. Um, that's, that's, I think, reasonable. There's actually a book out about that that I have uh, that I haven't had a chance to read yet that uh, is apparently really good. talks about um, uh, fey abductions, alien abductions, Sasquatch abductions. It's called Thieves in the Night. I'm going to have to read that. So shout out to that book. Another option would be that these things are androids or robots. Uh, you know, they seem to be drones, as Moose said, that just kind of perform a duty and go about their business. Another option would be that they're artificial extraterrestrial biological entities, some kind of genetically engineered things that do the will of uh, higher beings. Uh, again, going back to what Moose just said about out. Um <laughs> Going back to what Moose just said about, uh, you know, these things being drones and then the idea that they're future humans coming back in time for some reason. Uh, again, uh, that kind of leads credence to the whole reproductive route that a lot of this kind of takes uh, uh, the path of. So do you have anything you want to add to that before I ask you our final question, Moose? Um, no. What's your final question? My final questions. My final question. Do you lean towards believing in grays or not? If you had to assign a percentage, what percentage of belief would you give towards grays in any capacity? So any capacity means that a purely psychological phenomena that does not exist out of, outside of mankind is still existence. So, mm. I, 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 well, uh, that that's uh, uh, an idea. If an idea exists, it, it, that's existence. Um, I think what you're asking me is, do I believe in some sort of physical or psychological entity or manifestation that is external to the human psyche, correct? Yeah, some sort of existence, either biological, psychic, or spiritual. Okay. So not... Purely so, in the mind, unless so, it's placed there by some kind of other trickster or higher power. So I, I lean towards two separate things. So first is that idea of like inception, right? So a artificial uh, per se, uh, uh, in, an artificial insertion uh, into the integrator, the brain, uh, you know, or wherever that then uh, creates an idea. I think I don't know what I believe. I think it is extremely selfish and honestly more scary to think that we are alone than that we're not alone. I think that's the okay. scarier thought. So I think there definitely is a possibility. I think it's definitely possible that, um, you know, some sort of biological entity either because um, so we know biological life is possible because we exist right? Uh, well, you could go into a bunch of other stuff, but from our understanding, we exist. So it's Do definitely exist. Yeah. So we definitely understand that either uh, so an organism, either on a different evolutionary ladder or on the same ladder, but more advanced um, could exist. Right. And they very well may visit uh, us with like how we visit zoos and experiment on rats. Right. Um, the, uh, if you were to ask me what I think grays are and this kind of leads into a lot of stuff i think 99 percent of it is mental health issues and mistakes made by humans i think the one percent is unexplained phenomena that we will eventually know and i think it is rooted in physics that we understand just well physics that we don't understand yet um but i think the the fabric of our universe follows particular laws that are universal. I also think that there may be other universe, you know, other universes where physics follows another path 
and it is not outside the realm of possibility that the organisms or the perceived organisms that we see are um, transplants from other universes. Because then the f- the the errors and the apparent um, conundrums in physics that we see would be explainable if they're following another set of laws. You know, we didn't even talk about the idea that these things are interdimensional, and I feel like such a <laughs> clot, but... I'll leave it at this. You are the scully to my molder. 95%. I believe these are real things. I haven't made up my mind whether they come from other dimensions, which I do strongly believe is a possibility. And I can't believe I left out or other planets or they're some kind of spiritual or fey type thing. I don't know, but I do strongly believe these are real entities and they are coming here from somewhere. And yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I think. So on that note, you want to add something? No, I think this was a great conversation. Thank you for, uh, seriously, thank you for creating this uh, platform and make going with this idea. I think this was a great first series of episodes. Me too. Thank you so much, everybody for listening. Thank you moose for being a part of this. Everyone, please check out spectralphenomena.com. Check us out on Facebook, Spectral Phenomena, and make sure that you subscribe, that you like, that you review us. We want to make this the best paranormal podcast you have ever listened to, even if Moose thinks I'm a little nutty. It's okay. Thank you, everyone. Oh, I think people think we're both nutty. It's fine. That's fine. We are. We totally are. We'll see you next week on Spectral Phenomena. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.